when you can to just sit for a second or two and think about why you do what you do. Think about the va- your personal values and the values of the company, right? And use those sort of as the filter for decision-making. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Hello, this is Jeff Tun. Welcome to this special edition of Status Go. Our world has changed. It has changed faster than any of us thought possible two weeks ago. Businesses closing their offices, restaurants, bars, and entertainment venues shuttered, major sports events and leagues canceled or on hiatus. No one could have imagined this start to 2020. Our social media streams are filled with news of the coronavirus, some ominous, some helpful, some uplifting. Two of the most uplifting posts I have seen this week came from the same person, or should I say, the same dude. I'd like to welcome Dave Lynn, the gratitude dude, to the show. Dave, great to have you here today. Great to be here. Really great to be here. Dave, I want to get to your background and especially the moniker of gratitude dude. But first, I want to talk about a couple of your posts. The first one, I think, was actually one from the college where you work that you shared with the broader community. And I'm going to Uh, indulge just a little bit and read the third item, the third bullet point from that list, which was, do not read about best practices for distance learning. That's not the situation we're in. We are in triage mode. Distance learning, when planned, can be really excellent. That's not what this is. Think about what you must cover and what might be expendable. Thinking you can manage best practices in a day or a week will lead to feeling like you failed. While I know this was aimed at distance learning, I would love your thoughts on applying this and the rest of that post, frankly, to those who have found themselves working from home and leading a workforce that is working from home. How do you talk to that audience, Dave, and how do you relate these bits of wisdom to that group? Yeah, so I think they are, they're certainly parallel. Teaching is one thing, uh, but everything we're talking about is connection, right? Whether you're teaching, whether you're interacting with your teams, uh, whether you're instructing somebody or getting feedback or a problem or dealing with a client, most of us now are doing that mobily, virtually, uh, and, the, and the challenges are similar. Um, I think the, the, what I loved about what the college had sent out, so to the university that sent it out, and I paraphrase it just to get it within the, uh, some of the uh, LinkedIn character limitations, but... You know, what I loved about it was they're, they're coming from the place that you're talking about. Like, this is an, a, an emergency or a triage situation, and we got to make it work and work okay for now. Then we can work on getting great. But I think one of the biggest challenges is that there are people who are very accomplished in whatever it is that they do. I'll give you an example. Uh, I actually spent some time yesterday with a fellow college professor who's very accomplished, and he actually is a, a judge, an elected judge in the city of New York. You know, this is a significant position. So I'm a very, very bright person, a bright individual. Right. And he had no clue what was going on. 
And I worked with him on the software that they're using there. And I kept telling him, I'm not going to use his name, but it was Sam, you know, this is not going to be the way that you run your courtroom. You know, this is going to be something that has to work now. And yeah. we have to put some emphasis on speed. So I think that that's really, really a great starting point. And then I think it's sort of understanding the differences between virtual communication versus real communication. Um, and I think that one of the problems that often arises, especially in situations where there's time pressure and all the other things going around, and we're probably doing a lot more than we would do even in our regular workplaces, because in our regular workday, we may be dealing with work crises, but we're not dealing with global crises and how that right. affects our workforce, right? right? So we, we're actually doing more things. Uh, we may have more time. We don't have commutes, maybe, and things like that, but we're dealing with more things. And I think there's a tendency to say, okay, we, everything has to be all work, right? Get on the call and let's jump in and let's work, 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 work. Um, and that's a challenge. I mean, I know you mentioned when we spoke previously how you had some some party planned for the team before this all happened, right? right? You know, I <laughs> yeah. think it was an NCAA yeah. party, right? Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. That was supposed to be today. Right. So there you go. And instead of saying, well, now, you know what, now we're in crisis mode and now we're going to be sitting in front of our computers and working and, and staring at each other's faces, you know, you found a way to keep that, right? And that's so yeah. critical yeah. to culture and connection because, you know, there's a distance when we're working virtually. And one of the challenges for that is, is that we lose a little of the personal touch. So we have to try harder to do that. I mean, one of the things that yeah. we're doing, I work with a team as a the chief purpose officer of a company called Vantages, and we have check-ins every morning now and every afternoon, and we try to keep them light. Work stuff is going on all day. Um, so we're checking in, how's everybody doing? How's everybody feeling? And now we're doing sort of like giving each person a thing to talk about in advance, you know, like either a fun thing, just one on each you know, we did a thing where, you know, the last person on the call has to do something silly or fun or stupid, you know, to encourage. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm going to have to use that for my next staff meeting. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the first person that, that, that came last was like the nicest person in the world. So so we, we made a thing that she had to say something mean about us, oh, God. you know, which was yeah. great, you know, because, you oh. know, and we have little things come up with an acronym. Give us a tip. A work, like we're talking about today. Give us a tip that you've developed to the, each, you know, someone on the team. What have you developed? What are you finding works for you? mobily or even not just work related like i did the first one sort of jokingly where like my refrigerator is overflowing because everybody's running or buying extra food so it's a number one <laughs> on the gratitude dude let's be grateful that we have the ability to do that if we can but you know i've got no space left so i just took up my egg carton there were only four eggs in it and i cut down my egg carton by two-thirds and made some space <laughs> nothing to do with uh -huh. work but it's a way of all of us connecting. And I think that those two things, not thinking you have to be perfect and not thinking you're going to be as good at it as you are at all the other things that you're amazing at. And you'll get there. Most people will get there. But, yeah. you know, good being the enemy of the, of the perfect is, is very applicable here. I love that. You're a lot healthier than I am. Yesterday, I cut down a package of Oreo cookies so they'd fit. <laughs> I, I also did, but I cut them down by even two-thirds of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my grandson and I uh, are Oreo-aholics, and uh, yeah, so we cut a sleeve off of uh, one of the packages so it would fit back in the pantry. It was great. And I mean, that's kind of the other thing that you're talking about there is to, to make things light. And, you know, I've been on conference calls, and I know uh, LinkedIn especially has uh, all kinds of posts from people 
you know, that are talking about, let's be a little bit forgiving. Let's be a little bit light. You know, there's dogs, there's cats, Mm -hmm. uh, there's kids (laughs) running in the background because not only are we faced with this almost mandatory work from home, uh, schools are closed. Yeah. So yeah. now your kids are home and you're having to deal with that. I, I live in uh, Indiana and our governor just announced a few minutes ago that schools are going to be closed at least until May 1. Yeah. And it's like, wow. I mean, yeah. that's, uh, a long time. that's a huge thing. Yep. And I know one of the things that we're trying to do, in fact, I'll give a shout out to Megan, who is our executive producer. She's gathering photos from our team of uh, your pets photobombing your video conference <laughs> or your kids photobombing your conference, just to, again, make it light yeah, and share that. it uh, on the internet That's because great. we are in some very strange times right now. Yeah, yeah I love that. The other post that you wrote, Dave, and this is probably, I would guess, more in line with your moniker of the gratitude dude. And that was the post that you wrote on Sunday where you started off with the analogy of being on an airplane, which, you know, that's a, that's a whole nother story oh, right yeah, now, but, sure. but being on an airline, when they talk and give the safety instructions about put your own mask on and then help someone next to you. Could you kind of talk us through that post? What led you in that direction and some of the reaction that you've been getting from that? So I think we use that analogy often in business um, and and in other things. But I, I don't know, I was just sitting around and somebody that I, that I work with, I felt that was very harried and uh, very stressed. And it's real, right? I mean, it's real. And especially if you're a business owner, there's a tremendous amount of responsibility. And if you're an employee, there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty. And uh, so that's real. And I'm not downplaying it in the least. But what I found was that, you know, essentially, they weren't taking care of themselves, right? So if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to be your best to take care of others. You know, you use the analogy of, of a parent or anybody who's deprived of sleep, or hungry, right? So then they get angry quickly. They don't make smart choices. Um, so the first step was, okay, let me put my mask on. Let me take care of what I need to do. And that might be less right. than what we usually need to do, right? Like we might not be able to get to 100% because number one, the things we want to do, we can't do. Like let's say somebody goes to the gym or out for, for yeah. coffee with friends every day or whatever else that might be. But And also the, because of the time. So we have to prioritize, but we have to first take care of ourselves. And then you know, we try in my family to always look out for others, you know, within the family and outside the family. I know that you guys do as well. And so I'm thinking, like, how can we reach out and help others? And if we take care of ourselves, then we could reach out, help the other people. Um, and there's so many different ways to do that. Right. There's so many simple ways to do that. You know, as much as I, I threw something up yesterday about the pizza challenge, didn't catch on much. That's fine. It's LinkedIn. You never know what you're going to get. But essentially said anybody right, right. who's willing to step up and say they'll send two pies of pizza to a business or a family that needs it uh, and puts it up and I'll make the connection. I'll find somebody in your community to, to do it. And, you know, we had two people did it last night and, you know, uh-huh. it just turned out this person had a bunch of people like sort of wayward teenagers that, that need assistance that don't have homes or families. And, you know, I, we didn't know that. And, you know, I get two pies of pizza, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, simple ways to just think about others and as well, but also think about ourselves, take care of ourselves. Yeah. I saw a post from a friend of mine the other day that 
uh, he had been talking with his daughters. Uh, I think they're both in university, but they're home because uh, classes are out. Mm -hmm. But they pooled their resources together and said, okay, they had $2,000 and they'll give a hundred bucks to a family in need. Just send them an email with the reasons and between the three or four of them, uh, they were going to help folks out with just a little bit of cash, which I thought that people, was that was amazing. Yeah, people are amazing. <laughs> they really are. Yeah, yeah. I got a text from a guy I used to work with. We probably worked together, I don't know, 10 years or so ago and uh, stayed in touch off and on over the years. But he sent me a text Monday just checking to see how we were. And, and I'm thinking, man, I know I'm old, but I, I don't know if I... Yeah, I, I'm in the category of elderly, man. I don't know that you got to check on me, but thank you. <laughs> I, I know I'm I'm over that sixty number, but you know, can we uh, let, let's help others? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So, Dave, I'd like to dive into your background because I I started following you on LinkedIn through a mutual connection of ours, and have just been fascinated by your outlook on business and outlook on the, on really on life in general, and would really like to dig into some of the work that you're doing and how you're leveraging that to really kind of make the world a better place when it gets right down to it. So could you talk to us a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, so, you know, I have a legal and a business background in training um, and sort of long story, but I, I won't go through the whole story, but it sort of a surreptitious way sort of got together with somebody that was looking to create something in the nonprofit space to sort of a for-profit company, but aimed at giving nonprofits opportunities to, to raise money where they otherwise didn't have it. And it was a very much of a, a collaborative idea, which grew into the Generosity Series, which I co-founded and I'm the COO over there. And essentially, I mean, just in brief, it's instead of having a live 5K run walk uh, for one organization, we'll put them together and do one event in each city with 20, 25 organizations. But yet each organization is doing their own fundraising and sort of having their own mini event, but allows us to collaborate and share. And for me, like I have a purpose statement that I live by that I think is essential to me, which is to give to and share with others so that together we're greater than our biggest obstacles. And so I'm always looking for opportunities to do things together, whether it's like this together, sharing information mm -hmm. and getting that out and sharing it with others. That's why I love LinkedIn. Um, but the generosity series does that by getting together and allowing people to do things that they couldn't otherwise do on their own. Um, right. That was something that was amazing for me. And, and I, even though I said it was sort of surreptitious, I find that, you know, with anything that's really at your core, it's always there, you know, but it gets to the point where you're starting to open your eyes up to those opportunities and seeing things where you didn't see them before. Right. So I talk a lot about purpose. I have one of the roles mm -hmm. I play is a chief purpose officer for a global branding and marketing company. And, uh, we always say that someone else doesn't tell you your purpose. They might help you uncover it. It was always there. And when something is in there and then you, you get exposed to it, you feel that, aha, you feel that connection. And if you're fortunate enough to be able to turn that into a business, then that's amazing, right? Where you could support yourself oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and do it and be happy every day. And I always say, if we're doing well, the world is doing well because we've got 140 some odd nonprofits that we work with in every single type of, you know, 
category or silo you could think of. So that's, you know, that's, that's where my heart is still. That's, that's my main yeah, business. Yeah. And then there's, and then what happened through that was I had some charities in Atlanta, some, some, I don't even think they were clients yet. Um, and they asked me to do around the time of Thanksgiving, they asked me to do like a workshop on writing uh, donor thank yous. Uh, so I started, so I said, sure. And I started doing research and preparing and it really hit me hard that it's always around the time of year that we start talking about these things. Right. And that's, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm not against Thanksgiving. I think it's, it serves a great role and it's an important wake up call for us. But if we, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying these people are, but if you are only sending thank you letters to donors at the end of the year, you got bigger problems, right? You've got to be showing your right. gratitude throughout the year. And for me, it became about, you know, let's awaken our personal gratitude because then it's going to come through professionally. Then it's going to come through, you know, in a nonprofit space. So I asked for permission to sort of spin it out and create a gratitude workshop that's much more focused on the individual. And then at the end, give you some tools for, for writing a letter. And it, it was <laughs> very well received. And I, I felt like it had to be any workshop has to be practical. So at the end, I busted out my stationery and I brought stamps and I said, OK, now we're going to write a personal gratitude, you know, letter. Oh, nice. Um, and now I do that in all my gratitude workshops. And I get that's where I get my best feedback, where people literally, you know, people just changed my mother's life or the way, you know, they've repaired relationships or just gotten deeper relationships. Um, so that for me, I caught on fire with that. And then I sort of spun that out. Now I do loan gratitude workshops in the nonprofit and for-profit space on site or open seat type things. Um, I do the four, the five languages of appreciation, in the workplace, which is a parallel of the five love languages for the workspace. Um, so do that type of stuff and trying to, you know, spread the love. Yeah. Make a difference. Make a difference. Yeah. So your nickname or your hashtag gratitude, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's another where, where was that born? <laughs> Did you come up with that? Did someone uh, kind of lay it on you? How'd that happen? So, um, a few years ago on my birthday, uh, you know, they have these like Facebook birthday fun, you know, you dedicate your birthday on Facebook and you ask oh, yeah, people to, yeah. right? So you can't really do that when you've got a hundred and some odd charity partners because you can't show favoritism, right? So it was my <laughs> right. birthday and I decided, you know what, I'm just going to put out there, you know, for my birthday, if you're going to do something for me, write a gratitude letter to somebody in your life. Um, I don't even need to know about it, right? Um, I did, came back, I mean, a lot of people reached out for me afterwards and I know people that did do it. Uh, unbeknownst to me, when my wife saw the post, and it's funny, we're not big Facebook people, and we have one account, and like we, both of us almost never look at it, but she saw it. So she, behind my back with my kids, went to my friends and family and coworkers and said, hey, would you write a gratitude letter to Dave oh. for his birthday? Yeah. And then they collected oh. them, they typed them up, uh, and they got a box and a bow. I think they did this all the same day, I think. And then, you know, when we sat down for dinner, whatever it was, they gave it to me. Which, of course, very impactful and was still the greatest gift that oh, I yeah. ever received. Yeah. Uh, but one of them was a, a letter from uh, a distant family member who's a very close friend. Uh, and at the end, he, he wrote about our relationship and whatever. And at the end, he said, Thank you for teaching me that gratitude is not a platitude, it's an attitude of great magnitude. Dude. Um, <laughs> so when I called him, you know, and spoke to him and we were riffing a little bit and, you know, it came out, I think from me, you know, gratitude, dude. 
And uh, I said, well, I'm, you know, I got a marketing background that works. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And that's where it went. That's where we got there. Oh, that, that's excellent. And, and I'm guessing, uh, you know, no tear was shed when you opened up that box. <laughs> Not of, even uh, of letters. <laughs> <laughs> Not even one. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe that for a minute. I, I, I want to get back to, to something that we talked about on our pre-call, Dave. And, and uh, you mentioned it briefly the generosity series where you get a group of nonprofits together and you kind of share the infrastructure, whether it's a 5k race or whatever event given today's world, knowing that that has changed dramatically in the last few weeks, how are you shifting? What's your pivot? What are you trying to do with those? Cause my guess is you had several events on the calendar coming up. Yeah. Um, we, we schedule out, 12 to 14 months in advance, right? So, um, and right now we're in nine different cities as far away. I'm in New York and we do two events in California. So, you know, you're not only juggling all these different events with all different, um, you know, governmental agencies involved in different states uh, and different levels of, of alert. So it's, it is challenging. Our closest event is in May. It's about two months out. Okay. Under current circumstances, it would not go forward. Um, it is, you know, probably an event we're looking at a thousand people at a live event standing on top right. of each other. So it's a challenge because we don't know yet what's going to be. We have very concerned charity partners, clients, uh, as well as participants. Yeah. You know, every day we're getting calls. And what we've done is we've decided one major thing is that we wanted to give people options. I think also any of this stuff, whether it's teaching in the college, whether it's your day-to-day business, the fear level is high. And even if you're like, I'm a pretty calm person, right? But we have to realize what it feels like for other people. Like it's that, you know, the empathy bone. And I had a call this morning. I had an onboard this morning for a client in an event in June. And they're very concerned, right? So we want to first understand their concern. You have to communicate a lot more than than usual. And I told them that we are checking this day to day. And then if there's something, when it changes drastically, we will let you know. But otherwise, we'll check in every week and just say, this is where we are now. But we wanted to give options. So what we did for this one event that is most likely to be canceled, which is the one in May, was number one, luckily for us, it's an event that's here in New York City. And then we have another New York City event in November. Now, November is far enough away that at least people can think about it. We don't know what's going to be, but it's not as scary as May. So we're giving them the options to roll that over. Usually there's a a significant cost to that because there is a lot of work for us. Uh, But we're Mm -hmm. waiving those costs for those that choose to do that. And then perhaps more relevant to this type of call is we're working on a contingency for virtual events, right? Or a virtual event. Because the goal here is to give the charities the the continuing opportunity to raise money. And they're going to take a significant hit no matter what happens in this, right? They're all going right. to take And to lose an event, they're losing many events. If they have a gala, any other live event within the next three months, they probably have to cancel because they can't afford to carry it on their own. You know, with us, the yeah. whole collaborative aspect of it gives every charity a little more protection and less risk uh, in terms of expense. But their own events, they're canceling. So we want to give them the opportunity to either switch to another event or do the virtual. Uh, and I think the virtual is a, is a very, very nice option. Um, the statistics are pretty good that you can almost maintain complete fundraising, maybe save a few bucks. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And in this world where, where there are options for all different types of applications and programs, it's probably something that we would want to institute anyway at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I sit on a couple of nonprofit boards uh, here in Indianapolis, and uh, both of them have had to cancel events that were scheduled for April. And in one case, it's the major fundraiser yeah. of the year yep. uh, for that uh, for that nonprofit. And you know, we're we're just now beginning to wrap our head around what do we do as a result of that? Because like most nonprofits, you're not. Uh, you don't have a large cash reserve mm -hmm. to fall back on, like perhaps some businesses do. So it, it is challenging. Yep, 100%. So as you think about this, this new reality, Dave, what thoughts do you have for the business leaders that tune into this podcast? The majority of them are in information technology or related technology fields. What advice do you have for them about how can they think differently about this new world? So I think to the extent that we can, and it's not always easy, is to avoid very, very quick decisions when they don't need to be made. What I'm seeing a lot of is people making rash, quick decisions. And that goes everywhere from, from cutting a workforce to trying something you know, drastically different. What we like to say, at least where, where I am, the chief purpose officer, is number one, just catch your breath. When you can, obviously, there's certain things that are yeah. literally in the moment, especially in IT, where you just have to make a decision. And of course, that has to be made. But when you can, to just sit for a second or two and think about why you do what you do, think about the va your personal values and the values of the company, right? and use those sort of as the filter for decision making. I give you an example, yeah. and this is not completely parallel, but an example of how we, we use values as a decision-making filter is at the Generosity Series, one of our values is inclusiveness in terms of any organization that's a 501c3 can be in our events. Um, we don't filter them out based upon the, their cause. If the government has put mm -hmm. the imprimatur on them that they're a 501c3, we're open to them and we want to have a variety of causes and a diversity of people and organizations. When we were first starting, we got a call from a very, very large organization, the type of organization that puts you on the map, you know, so to speak. Like, uh, yeah. like, who are these generosity service guys? We're just starting. But when we say, and it was not, I will repeat, it was not the Red Cross, but since it's such a well-known name, I'll use them as the example. If we were able to say, mm -hmm. oh, well, the Red Cross is our client. No, people right, right. think differently about you and they might not even yes. care anymore. They'll just say, okay, what does it cost, right? Um, this was the right, type of situation right, right. we were in. And this organization came to us and said, we're interested in joining this event, uh, but we want to be the only charity of, of our cause in the event, right? And uh, let's say it's international yeah, relief. Yeah. Now, yeah. it was very, the money was good and the having the stamp of approval was excellent. Um, but we sat down, we went through our values and we said, look, if we accept that, then we're not being true to our inclusiveness because now we're going to turn away the next organization that comes with that same or in that field. Uh, so we did do right. it. It was hard. And but that's sort of what I think we have to do now. Like if you're making decisions that are not good for you. So, yeah, that might get you through the moment. 
And sometimes we have to do that, right? We're in triage, right? So there's certain things have to right. be done now right. and we're taking emergency measures and then other things, midterm and long-term. And I think if we sit down and think about why are we doing things um, and also don't make individual decisions, even if you're the owner, yeah. have a mentor, have a coach, have a friend or a coworker or someone in the C-suite, whatever it might be. You know, I know I've been talked out of decisions that would have been bad. And I know I've talked people out of decisions that would have been bad, you know, because we're looking at them from different perspectives and, you know, two heads are, are better than one. Yeah, you need that variety of input so that you do get those different perspectives. And, and I love what you said about uh, take a moment and think about your values, because it's truly these times that help forge our values and make them real, right? Because otherwise they're just a platitude. Um, it's it's when they're put to the test that they become real. I love that that concept. Dave, we are just about out of time, and I always like to wrap up the show with a final question, which is really a call to action. And it seems uh, it seems odd to be asking this in this environment, but usually what I ask is. What's one thing our audience should do differently tomorrow because they listen to us today? So I'm going to twist it just a little bit and say, what's one thing that our audience should do right now because they listened to our conversation today? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, so... I'll take it into, and we spoke about a few different things. I'll take it into the gratitude world because I think that will help us personally and business-wise. Um, and I would say reach out to one person, whether it's by phone, whether it's by letter, like and just give them not only the check-in, but give them gratitude about something that they've done for you recently or in the distant past. There's many people that we've overlooked. I think once we do that, it energizes us. It energizes them. It picks everybody up. And it gets back to putting your mask on first. Like you're, if you're practicing gratitude, you're, you're getting better with yourself. And at the same yeah. time, you're helping others. So I would say reach out for someone. I actually put a linked up, LinkedIn post up today about writing a letter to somebody. Because I think letters, especially now when everybody's glued to their screen, if you get a letter in the mail, it's like, whoa, what the heck is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Assuming they're still delivering mail. But, you, oh, know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but if you get that. That's going to be a wake up one that shows somebody thought about you and took a moment of time and is going to stand out from all the, you know, digital uh, input and stimulus that we we're all experience at hyper levels now. Dave, that is great advice and great thinking on your feet like that. I like that. <laughs> uh, and, and in fact, I, I'm going to take that to heart. Oh, and when we get done, I'm going to pull out my thank you cards, my note cards, and I'm just going to. I'm going to write somebody a handwritten thank you note and get it in the mail today. And awesome. I want to challenge our listeners to do the same awesome. in this day of uh, sending an email, as you were saying, Dave, a, a handwritten note just means that much more. Yep. Yep. I'm glad I chose that instead of cutting down your eggs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As, as my final point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dave, I really want to thank you for being on the show today. I know we did this with very, very short notice in the last few days. Uh, and I really appreciate you making time to set aside to talk with me today, to talk with our audience. I really appreciate it. It really is my pleasure. Um, I love talking to you and it's right in with my collaboration theme and, and, and I love what you guys are doing. 
Well, thank you again. And to our audience, please be safe. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Then take care of your business. If you have thoughts that would be helpful for others to hear about dealing with this new normal, please comment, send us an email, or find us on LinkedIn. Go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Dave Lynn. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.